0: Hey, my name is Angela and welcome to the Dim Sum Diaries. In today's episode of the Dim Sum Diaries, I'll be sharing my journey getting in touch with my cultural roots as an Asian-Canadian and specifically a Chinese-Canadian. So when it comes to the technical definitions, I'm not actually sure if I am classified as first or a second generation, just because my parents' immigration story isn't as straightforward as a lot of other immigrants. So to give you the little backstory on that, my dad is from Hong Kong, my mom is from Guangzhou, and the both of them actually went to Norway to study university, and that's where they met, they got married, and then they had me and my sister, and then we all moved to Canada together as a family when I was less than a year old. So given that information, I'm not really sure what I would be technically classified as. If you know, please send me a DM on Instagram. I just started an Instagram for this podcast. It's at the Dim Sum Diaries podcast. According to what the little bit of research that I've done, I would classify myself as a first-generation Canadian because I was born outside of Canada and that's the technical definition. But I would also consider myself a second generation immigrant because I feel like that's the story that I connect with. My parents were the ones who immigrated here and because I was less than a year old, it's not that different to me being born in Canada and I wasn't really a part of my own immigration story. So I think that that is kind of what I relate to the idea of being a second generation immigrant. So that is my family's backstory of how we immigrated to Canada, but I did want to focus more on my story as somebody who grew up in Canada and how I became the proud Asian Canadian I am today. So for my childhood, I grew up in a very multicultural environment. In elementary school, I remember being in a class full of all different cultures and there really wasn't a majority or a minority culture. It's very, very mixed. I think that differs from a lot of different Asian stories that I've heard, because I know a lot of people who grew up in an all-white community and they were the only Asians, but I also know a lot of people who grew up in very Asian environments in North America, like Markham in Vancouver. So that just goes to show that there are so many different types of stories of Asian Americans and Asian Canadians, and mine is just one of them. Anyways, growing up in such a multicultural environment, I I think really affected who I became and my love of different cultures because I was surrounded by so many different cultures growing up. But even though that was the case at school, outside of school, my family was still very much rooted in our Chinese culture and we were able to surround ourselves with other people with similar stories to us through two main communities. The first was through Chinese school. I'm not sure about other places, but in Toronto, there are language schools that you can attend on saturdays and so a lot of chinese canadian immigrant families like mine would send their children to these chinese schools on the weekend and you would be able to meet a lot of other families that are very similar to yours so a lot of my closest friends growing up were also asian canadian or chinese canadian because our family shared a very similar background and our parents would be able to communicate which made it a lot easier to build friendships. I'm not sure why, but my parents decided to put my sister and I in Mandarin school instead of Cantonese school, so the community that we were surrounded by at Chinese school was mainly Mando people, but I was also surrounded by a huge Canto community at the Chinese church that I grew up in. My parents were very involved, and we had a super tight community there, so the majority of our closest family friends that we would spend all of our holidays with were other Cantonese families. So that's a summary of my multicultural childhood in Mississauga where I did grow up with a strong Canto and Mando community. Then in grade three, my family moved to Shanghai because of my dad's job. And I'm going to make a separate episode all about it just because there's so much to cover during those two years. But essentially, I moved to Shanghai and I was living in Asia. But because we were expats, we actually lived a very, very Western lifestyle while we were there. For those who don't know, Shanghai is kind of cut into two very, very different areas one side is called pusi and it's a very traditional asian side of the city and then on the other side pudong which is where i lived it's very modern very international and very westernized, and so even while I was living in Shanghai, I wouldn't say that I was like living the most traditionally Asian lifestyle, especially because I went to international school there, and my international school was way more Americanized. Than even my schools in Canada, which is kind of crazy to say, but I did still get to eat a lot of Asian food while I was living there. I watched Chinese kid shows because YouTube was banned and there wasn't much to watch. And during that time, my family also traveled all over China and Asia during those years. Through that, I was able to learn a lot about culture and history, but I was still very young, so I don't think that it really sunk in. During my childhood, we would also visit my parents' hometowns pretty often and even though I loved the food in Guangzhou and that shopping was super cheap, I really, really fell in love and felt a connection to Hong Kong whenever I would go back to visit my dad's side of the family. As a city girl, I really fell in love with the hustle and bustle of Hong Kong, and as a foodie, obviously I love the food, but I think that the whole culture of this idea of East meets West really connected with who I am as well. So that's why Hong Kong holds a really special place in my heart. Anyways, after living in Shanghai for two years, my family moved back to Canada and I went back to the same multicultural elementary school that I had attended. And then I also went to my first year of middle school with the same people. Before I switched to another middle school to attend the International Business and Technology program there. In terms of diversity, the students in my program were pretty much half East Asian and half South Asian. And then that was like the same ratio as well when I went into high school because I did the International Baccalaureate program. So from grade seven to grade 12, I was surrounded by a lot of classmates who had very, very similar stories to mine as children of immigrants. I think that that was also a very bonding experience for a lot of us because we were able to relate to a lot of the same experiences. During those years of middle school and high school, I also went through a lot of the exploration phase, I guess, That a lot of Asian Americans and Asian Canadians will go through and I explored different cultures, not just my own. I remember in middle school, I had my anime phase where I just read a bunch of Death Note and explored more of Japanese culture. And then I had my Korean phase as well, which was a little bit longer. And that was like middle school to high school where I was like obsessed with K-pop and K-dramas and Running Man specifically. specifically if anybody knows what that is but yeah I think that because I was surrounded by so many other Asian Canadians we really shared a lot with each other and we were able to learn about each other's cultures and kind of show each other new things that we would find and so it was definitely a very bonding experience to be able to learn about each other's cultures like that and dive deeper into our own as well so given all of these experiences i already had a very keen interest in learning about cultures and that played a big role as well in my decision to major in international management in university little did i know that i was going to have a huge reality check when i got there basically in first semester of university i decided to apply to join the hong kong student network at mcgill The people i met through this club became some of my closest friends throughout university and i met so many people from different backgrounds including other chinese canadians like me but also people who were actually from hong kong and from asia by talking and hanging out with other asians i began to realize how little i knew about my own culture I remember going to karaoke nights and knowing absolutely none of the lyrics of any of the songs that they sang and also just listening to my friends' conversations about the hottest stars in Hong Kong or in Asia and having no idea who any of those people were. I think the reality check was especially difficult for me because I had prided myself on my culture beforehand. And so to realize that I had no idea what was happening in Asia really shocked me. At the same time I was preparing to go on exchange to Asia, originally I was supposed to study abroad in Hong Kong, and so because I was surrounded by such a strong Asian community and I was planning to go to Asia, I put a lot of effort into learning more about the culture, and so I would listen to a bunch of Cantonese and Mandarin music and watch more TVB dramas. One of the best things that came out of this experience for me was being able to connect with my dad on a whole deeper level and be able to talk to him about his childhood and pop culture in Hong Kong in the past and learn about the rich history that Hong Kong has. The thing about my dad is that he's a very reserved, and I wouldn't say private because it's not as if he's like keeping secrets. He just doesn't like talk about himself very often unless you really ask specific questions. So not only was I getting a reality check that I knew nothing about my culture, I was also getting a reality check that I knew nothing about my dad's past. And that was really hard for me to learn because my dad and I have such a good relationship and we're so close that I kind of just assumed that I knew at least most of the things about his life, but I really knew nothing. So throughout that experience, I was able to get so much closer with him and talk to him about his past. He was teaching me about the tin Wong, which is like the four heavenly kings, and just this era where Hong Kong was really like the media capital of Asia. I'm so grateful that I was able to have those conversations with him and to learn so much more about who my dad is and Another amazing thing that came out of this experience was that my dad was able to listen to all of these songs that he hadn't heard in 20-30 years just because I don't think he's really the type to go and search for songs and so because i was really trying to learn more about his past in hong kong back in the day we were able to find all these spotify playlists of all of these songs from like the 70s and the 80s and listen to them on our drives back from montreal to toronto and those road trips were such an incredible bonding experience for the both of us just because we had like eight hours in the car to talk and to listen to music that he hadn't heard in so long. And he was so happy to hear all of this again. It was so nostalgic for him. I'm so glad that I was able to give that to him. And now I created a Spotify albums for him to listen to when he's in the car. of All of his favorite songs by like Leslie Jung and all of the Four Heavenly Kings and there is just so much good that came out of that reality check and I'm so glad that that happened especially before I went to Asia even though I didn't end up going to Hong Kong because of the protests and my exchange got canceled. I was still able to learn so much and when I went to Taiwan I already knew a lot of the culture just because a lot of the music that I listened to that was on like the Mando side was Taiwanese music. I learned a lot about Taiwanese culture through that whole journey as well and so it still paid off in the end when I was able to go to Taiwan and hear all these songs on the street and be like wow I know these songs like I know these lyrics so yeah obviously another huge part of me rediscovering my cultural roots did take place when I moved to Taiwan on exchange I was able to just learn so much about Taiwanese culture but also Chinese culture in general and also a little bit more about Japanese culture just because Taiwan was colonized by Japan for a little bit so they do have that aspect of their culture as well I was able to learn so much more just about Asian culture in general being able to experience it is so different from just learning it from a textbook you know like I'm an international management student I'm studying international business classes about culture but it's really not the same as when you're in it and you're experiencing all of these little things that you wouldn't be able to get out of a class and so So I'm so grateful for that experience of being able to live there for six months on my own and I learned so many lessons from that experience which I'll probably talk about in future episodes so stay tuned for those. But now that I'm back in Canada, I definitely want to continue to make an effort to learn more about my culture and now realizing how little I know and how much there is still to learn. This is definitely a lifelong journey for me and I'll continue to update you throughout the years. I think the last thing that I wanted to mention, which has played a big role in my Asian Canadian experience, is the Facebook group Subtle Asian Traits and all of the subgroups that have come from it, I guess. And for those who don't know, Subtle Asian Traits is a Facebook group that really blew up in 2019. And now I think they're almost at two million members. And basically this is just a platform for Asian Americans, Asian Canadians, Asians all around the world to share experiences and to talk about different things that we have gone through growing up and how we are similar in that. And I'm just so glad that this exists today because I think that it's so empowering to be able to see other people who have gone through very similar experiences to you from all over the planet. And to be able to bond with other people over that, I think it's such an amazing platform to feel accepted and to feel like you belong somewhere because I think that that's something that a lot of Asians, especially in North America or in the West, feel like they don't belong in that culture and to be able to find a community where you're able to share so many similarities with others, it's so awesome and It's so cool because Subtle Asian Traits has created so many like different subgroups. Um, I'm a part of a bunch of them, like Subtle Asian Eats, where people post their food and share their recipes. And also like Subtle Cantonese Traits, so like more specific groups within the big group. Even though I grew up, yes, in a multicultural environment and connected with a lot of Asian people, I think that being able to talk about these random experiences during childhood and youth and young adulthood and sharing that with almost 2 million people across the world is just a crazy experience that I would have never thought would happen, but I'm so glad that it has. So yeah, that is kind of my spiel about my journey as an Asian Canadian, being able to get more in touch with my roots and obviously... As I said earlier, this is a lifelong journey and I'm going to continue to learn and there's still so much that I don't know, but I'm so glad that I'm no longer in that headspace where I believe that I know everything and I am blinded by that. So yeah, I would love to hear your stories of rediscovering your own cultural roots. Uh, feel free to message me on Instagram. Again, my Instagram handle for this podcast is at the Dim Sum Diaries podcast. And I think I'm going to talk about Asian representation um, and maybe learning Chinese uh, in the next coming episode. so stay tuned for those. But thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome week. I will talk to you soon. Bye!